Hello and welcome to MDD's next edition of Claims Interviews. Today we have entering the operating theatre Steve Agata from Inigo. Steve, are you ready for this? Uh, I think so. Operating theatre is a bit scary though. We'll see. So what we like to do is try and find out as much as we can about you, Steve. So a good place to start is how you came to be in the insurance industry. So tell us about that. Yeah, I suppose it all started uh, when I was 16. I did some work for HSBC Bank because a family friend was working there at the time. And so I did some work experience there, really enjoyed it. I loved the buzz of the office environment. I'm working with the team there who treated me really well. So I suppose it started there. Whilst I love my school experience, especially the sport, I really love the idea about getting out to work and earning some money, if I'm being totally honest. So I thought I'd chance my arm. I wrote about 50 letters to CEOs of financial institutions. A little cheeky, but I thought I'd give it a go. And I only actually got one reply. And that was from a company called Eagle Star. And for those old enough to remember Eagle Star, they subsequently became Zurich Insurance. So what they said to me is that they'd take me on into their trainee program. And that's where it really all started, because I I joined Eagle Star at Sutton the year after, along with 20 other trainees in 1987. So when you say you needed to earn a wage, I wonder why you came into claims, because I thought all the money was supposed to be in underwriting. That's right. And I think it still is. I like to think claims actually chose me. I, I didn't know anything about insurance at that time let alone what an underwriter did or a claims hander. So I arrived on my first day at Eagle Star with the letter that they'd sent me saying that they were really pleased to offer me a position in their underwriting trainee program. And when I arrived on the day, I arrived at 9am, but all the other trainees were there at the time ahead of me. And when I got to the person that was actually organising the induction program that day, I showed them my letter that, as I said, said underwriting. But all she said was, oh, we've got too many in underwriting, so what we're going to do is we're going to put you in claims. So for me, it was a bit of a sliding doors moment. And 33 years later, I suppose the rest is history and I'm still in claims. Yes, it is amazing how so many of us ended up in claims and our route into it, which seems to be generally purely by luck. And I'd say good luck, actually. So I've known you for most of your career working at AIG, but recently you joined Inigo. What was the attraction of joining a new startup? Well, it's really a fresh start for me after 29 great years at AIG. This was really something new, a new startup. I'm really pleased to be back because, you know, I just love the environment of the London market. And being at a startup just gives me the opportunity to really build something great with people that are of the the same mindset. So when I left AIG last February, I didn't really want to rush back into the market or into another global organization. I really wanted to take some time out and enjoy home life a bit more and it gave me plenty of time to to reflect and and recharge the batteries and during that time I knew at some point I'd have to venture back which I really wanted to do but I wanted to do something different albeit within insurance and because I have a passion for claims I really wanted to stay in claims so this gives me just a fabulous opportunity to build something as I say from scratch. Then there was an old boss of mine George Stratz from AIG who introduced me to Inigo I really like working with George at AIG because whilst he was on the underwriting side and more, I suppose, product focused, he really did see the value of claims. So when he called me, for me, it was a no-brainer to speak to the founders. And they were from Hiscox. And I always admired Hiscox, had a great claims reputation. 
And so I was really interested in that discussion. I suppose it all took life from there. I liked what they had to say about their vision and what they were building at Inigo and Cleams being a, a large part of the product offering and working alongside the underwriters at the front of the business. So really love the idea of that and, and working with like-minded people who really want to win. But, you know, for me, the attraction is that they really want to do that in an elegant way. We're bringing in some brilliant people, making sure we keep it a low ego shop, flat structure. So the Inigo people feel really empowered. They feel motivated on the inside. And I think that will really show up when we can do business again face to face in the London market. I really think our culture internally will show up externally face to face in the market as well. So really excited about that. Well, it sounds really good, Steve, and I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice. So my sense is you're going to have a great time there. I think we've dueled a bit over the years on a few major claims, but what I really see with you is someone who's a great leader in the claims industry. So, you know, maybe you can tell us a bit about what aspect of being a leader you enjoy most. Before I get there, I must say I did enjoy our duels, Barry. And thanks for your comments. Uh, Very, very generous of you there. I suppose for me, the thing I really enjoy about leadership and being in that position, and I think it should be seen as a privileged position at big organisations as well as small ones, is bringing out you know the best in people and getting them to do their best work, really. I think if you can do that as a leader, you're going to be successful. I also think the leaders in organisations set the tone and build the culture of the organisation. And walking the talk is really important to me as well, both looking at leaders and in myself as well. So I think that's really enjoyable as well. I, I learned quickly that the best leaders, in my opinion, are those that remain authentic selves throughout all circumstances, however stressful. So I really like to try it myself and be really open and honest. You know, that's a given, but listen to people, really hear what they're saying. And and I think if, if I can actually see something in someone that they can't see in themselves and really try and persuade them in a way or influence them in bringing that best out of themselves and showing them that they're capable I think that's the leader I want to be. Well, that's really good to hear. There was a lot of stuff you said there that sort of resonates with me in terms of the way I like to work. So I've seen a lot of announcements in the press about people joining Inigo, and they seem to be building a special team for the future. Can you tell us about those plans a bit more, especially your plans for claims? Uh, Yes, of course. I also see a lot in the insurance press about us. So it's good that we are at the forefront of everyone's mind. The talent in which we're bringing into the organisation is phenomenal on the underwriting side. And also claims will follow that very quickly. You know, it's obviously in our minds to do that for claims. So first of all, just let me tell you a bit about Inigo, which is that we're going to be underwriting focused and claims focused, a specialty insurance uh, and reinsurance business. We're aiming to provide uh, high-caliber services across underwriting and claims through limited number of classes that we've got the authority to write. I suppose we're looking at more low-transactional business and giving capacity for complex and volatile risks. We're going to do that through our Lloyd Syndicate 1301, and we're already writing business from the 1st of January this year. So... I'll go on to claims. We're really going to be focused on supporting the underwriting part of the business from the outset. And and as I said before, working alongside them. And our aim ultimately is to bring the best talent in to deliver on our promises to our clients from a claims perspective. We're already two people. I don't know if you know that, but we're already myself and Yira Patel, who joined us from AXA 
And she's an absolute specialist in the financial lines and casualty area. So a real compliment to claims and underwriting there. I think it's a real statement from our founders to bring in two you know, fairly high-end claims individuals before even writing a policy and certainly before we had a claim. So I think that shows the importance of claims to them. The other area I wanted just to touch on was the advantage we've got with regard to bringing in modern technology. So while we haven't got legacy business or legacy systems, that's a lot easier to do because I think that if we do that well, it can really be a powerful platform mixing the artists, the claims people and the underwriting with that science of technology is going to be really powerful for us. And lastly, I suppose data and big data and rich data is getting more and more important. So I think, again, we've got an advantage here to firstly collect all the data and record it that's coming through the organization from a policy or, or a claim throughout that life cycle, but really make it rich. And what I mean by that is making it accurate in real time and being able to analyze it, because I think that that can really help us both internally for decisions, but also help and be used with clients to manage their risks more effectively as well. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing about data is something that MDD would totally agree with you on. They spend a lot of time analyzing data and feeding it back so people understand what's going on. You know, I know you've worked with a lot of really good claims people at AIG, the the Paul Dawson's of the world, for example. What do you think makes a great claims handler? That's a great question because I, I think I would have answered it 25 years ago completely different to the way I would answer it today, except that you know a claims handler really needs to show an exceptional technical grasp, um, an understanding of the claim from the outset and how the policy is really going to respond. But nowadays, that's just table stakes. I think to make a real difference, the claims handler needs to know about the industry that they're practicing in. They should get to know their customer, certainly before a claim, if that's possible. It makes it easier to deal with that claim at the outset. And think about the quality of service that they're providing all of the time. Because my belief is claims should always be at the heart of every insurance business and decision-making. They need to communicate really well internally and be an integral part of the organization and the underwriting business. If you're a really good claims handler, I think you can show real value to business decisions by sharing lessons from losses or sharing trends from claims data. And I think if you do that, you'll soon be out there in front with the underwriters because they'll see your value. Yeah, again, I'm going to agree with pretty much everything you said there. So I think it's about time we got a little bit more personal with you and moved away from some of your views on things around you to maybe some of the things that have affected your career. So in terms of your career, who or or what have been the greatest influences and why? Well, I've got a couple of leaders in mind, you know, off the top of my head, but I would say that there's a number of different people I've worked with over time. And I, I try and take the really good from people that I see and try and adapt where I can and where I probably feel I need to try and bring some of that into the way I deal with people and the way I live my life, really. So there's many people that have influenced me in that respect. I suppose the first person I wanted to talk about was Steve Eckhart, who led claims for UK and Europe back in the late 90s. I, I didn't really know Steve that well, but one morning he called me into his office, uh, a bit concerned I might be, you know, in bother at that time, but he said he wanted me to run the UK claims department. And considering I was a property and energy specialist focused in that area, leading a team of three, 
you know, I was flabbergasted and, and it was just a mammoth leap because this position was going to be leading a team of 400 and working across all lines of business, both commercial and, and personal lines. So, you know, I'll be forever grateful for Steve's belief in me. However, the more I think about it, the, the risk he took was just unbelievable on someone that wasn't a, a real leader at, or, or working with a number of people at that time and wasn't working across the whole sort of spectrum of claims. You know, he did take a, a risk and leap from uh, above 10 other leaders that were on the senior leadership team. So the way I've interpreted that, that he obviously saw something in me that I didn't and, and thought the risk was worth it. And, and I gave a hundred back. For what he gave me there, I was all in and I just wanted to give him as much as I could to be successful because I knew if I was successful, he'd be successful as well. But it also taught me that to take some risk on people that aren't wholly developed and are still learning, is do it. Throw them in at the deep end. You know, always be around if they needed you to chuck them afloat at times. But he, he always allowed me to make my own decisions, even let me make my own mistakes, but would always be around if I got in too deep. And, you know, I look back, I never drowned. I was probably close to it a couple of times, but never drowned. So I, I think that that taking chance on people and taking a bit of a risk is certainly something I've taken into my roles after that. Another is Pete Aina, who ran global claims management for AIG. His role was so large and broad uh, across 56 countries. I always admired the way that he treated people. He always came across, uh, to me anyway, as so calm in the most stressful of situations. He was just a true people person. I always remember he, he just had a way with people. He'd remember their name, you know, but he'd always know what they contributed both from a business perspective and also often knew something personal about them. So he always had time for everyone, whether they were the MD or the person stamping the post, right? He just knew what made people tick and, and again, got the best out of people. He got the best out of me. Uh, and I always thought that was an amazing skill to possess. So I thought I was really fortunate because my last position at AIG was very similar to Pete's. And I always remember the way Pete did that and, and, and took that into my role as well. So, you know, both of them had an amazing impact on me in business and in my personal life. And, you know, really privileged to call them friends today because I still keep in touch with both of them. You've highlighted something there that I think is really important for anyone who's growing up in the industry. And that is to look at people who've been really successful and try and work out what it is that has made them successful and, and replicate it. And, and of course, sometimes you see things which maybe don't work quite so well, but when you do get that chance in a leadership role, then you can make a decision about, you know, how you might change things to avoid those sorts of things that you didn't particularly like in, in certain people or certain management styles. So definitely an important thing in all of this is looking at people who are successful and saying, how did they get there and learning and copying to a certain degree? Would you agree with that, Steve? Absolutely. And, and take the best and, and learn from sometimes, you know, what you see that's not good behavior from leaders, because that's there as well. So how can you really be conscious of that and, and try and make sure that if you'd see it or feel it in yourself, then, you know, it's not good practice either. But taking the best of people is always what I, I often concentrate on. So I think that's a really interesting subject we just touched on. In terms of your career, has there been any particular high points or, or low points that you want to tell us about? Sure. That one could last a while, but I'll only pick one 
but there have been many, you know, joking apart, there's been a huge amount of high points for me working in big teams and whether leading or working with him, there's been some really big high points for me. I, I suppose I'll just choose one that was personal to me. And I, I think that was when I was asked to lead global property and special risk claims. I joined AIG about 20 years before as a property claims adjuster. So I'd always aspired to that position. And when I was asked to lead that division of claims, for me, it was like returning home to my roots, albeit on a much larger scale. So I think that's always a a standout. I I think that was a big personal achievement for me. And the low points was, I suppose, always seeing people move on from AIG. It was inevitable because the company of that size, that's going to happen. And the number of years I was there, but never easy for me to see people I really liked, I really respected go from that organization. But many of them went on to just fabulous careers after AIG. And that was always a proud moment. I thought that was always made me feel sort of better, I suppose. But low points were seeing really great people leave. Mm. And I mean, we've seen over time some very good people leave AIG, but some of them have come back. And, you know, we have Steve Parry back at AIG. We have David Miller back at AIG. I think they're in a good place with those guys at the helm. So, you know, life goes on. And now you've got this great challenge with Vinigo. So in terms of your aspirations for the future, have you got anything in particular that you've got out there that you're looking to achieve? Yeah, so top of mind is obviously I aspire to make Inigo great and it to become a leader at Lloyd's and in the insurance market. We're all excited here to see what we can create and it's going to be a journey, but one I'm really excited about. But my aspiration is for that to be the company I really think it can be. Also, it'd be great to attract more young people into insurance, into claims, but even into underwriting and other areas of insurance. So I still speak to a lot of young people who, you know, when I'm speaking to them, all they have is a negative about insurance because often they only know about insurance when they go to buy a car. They often think it's expensive and pretty much a waste of money. So we need to try and change their mindset and and get them to In that example, get them to think that they own a car because of insurance. It's protecting them in the future. So I think if we can really get into the minds of young people that insurance is about protecting and helping people, whether it's recovering from disasters or doing good in in society and in their communities, I think that we really need to change the negative connotation of insurance for young people. And I think at Inigo, Uh, I really believe we can make that happen. Cool. Well, it sounds good. Let's stop talking about Inigo now for a moment. And let's talk about what you do outside of work. So tell us, what what do you enjoy most outside of work? I really enjoy spending time with my family, uh, my wife, Sarah, and my youngest son, Harry, who are here. Oh, and I also became a grandfather for the third time during lockdown. That was through my eldest son, Jamie. I played a lot of football in my past I, I played football as a kid so I had to hang my boots up at some point I really love to cycle road cycling is is a bit of a passion now with all my old football pals we go to, to France every year on our, our boys holiday but now it's five days in the Alps and you know climbing some mountains trying to do a stage of the Tour de France so I've cycled up the Alpe d'Huez and Mont Ventoux which I absolutely hate but once you get to the top the elation and sense of achievement is just you know fantastic it, it makes it all worth it at the end of the day 
I also took up golf during my time out. You know I was pretty bad at golf and hacked around a bit, so I thought I'd take it a little bit more seriously and got some lessons. Joined a golf club locally here and uh, spent pretty much four days a week playing golf in uh, the glorious weather we had last year. So it taught me, even though golf is a very, very frustrating game to play, it's just never too late to take up something like a new challenge, and that's been certainly a new challenge as well for me. Okay, well, I hear that, Steve, but it must be quite a major disappointment that you never quite made it to West Ham's first team. Absolutely. It's time for a quick test. Uh, Please don't do this the way you and Creswell did it on our last uh, interview and insist on giving me long explanations on why you picked each word. I want a simple word back from you. So here we go. TV or radio? TV. BBC or ITV? Tough one, but probably ITV. Okay. Meat or veg? Definitely meat. Okay. Work or holidays? Well, you know, I should say work being in my new role, but who doesn't love a great holiday? In you go, listening into this one, I'm telling you. I'm worried for you now. Lloyds or companies? There you go. This is a difficult one for you. Lloyds or companies? Yeah, well, let's come back a year and you asked me that question. It would be companies. You're asking it me now. Being in Lloyds, it's Lloyds. Okay. 1980s or 2020s? Uh, 1980s. Why is it everyone says 1980s? Well, I had my first son in 1988. For that reason alone, I think it's the 1980s, but it was a fun time as well. Okay. And finally, Harley or Porsche? Porsche. Well, you're the first motor car man, I think. Everyone I've never ridden a motorbike, so and I don't intend to at my age now. Well, I did ride a motorbike once on the back and never to do it ever again. So uh, I'm sure if you've been for, for a journey as a passenger, that's one way never to ride a motorcycle again, depending obviously on who's driving the thing. Okay, I think we've got to that point where you've given us some really interesting feedback on, on the questions I've asked. And I, I think the audience have, have probably got a, a good idea about, again, as I always say, the, the man behind the name. But tell us, because we always ask this question, if you'd not ended up in insurance, what would you ideally have done as a career? Tough one. But if I go back to where I was when I went into insurance, I was really young. The only thing I was interested in doing at that time was playing football. So a bit cliche, I know, Barry, but it would probably have to be a footballer. But I, I really do hope these days watching some of the footballers that I would have had a rugby player's outlook on the game. OK, so let's just make it clear. You would have been a West Ham footballer. And what position would you have played? Oh, definitely middle field. The engine room. Look, Steve, it's been brilliant talking to you today. I really do wish you every success at Inigo. It sounds like it's a great opportunity. It's a real building job where you can make something fantastic in terms of a a claims offering. So I'll, I'll certainly be watching from afar to see how you get on. So thanks for coming on and joining us today. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me.